Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Our guest tonight is John Michael Clark. This is a repeat visit for him and we are really excited. John Michael Clark specializes in helping men with family leadership and sex and marriage. He's on a mission to help guys lead with strength and love. He cuts through the cliches to be a spiritual leader and grant specific or sorry, and get specific to help men gain confidence, earn the admiration of their wives and children, and lead like Jesus. His unique approach to coaching brings a simplicity, humor, practicality, and strength that men appreciate and respond to. Welcome back, John Michael. How are you doing, man? George, what's up, brother? Guys, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're pumped because last time Justin wasn't here, so I'm pumped that we got the full group with you now, and uh, he can soak right. in some some of the family captain truths tonight. <laughs> uh, so with that, let's go back to the basics, and why don't you tell us about the program and uh, you know how you coach men to be better leaders of their families? Yeah, man. So the program is all about me giving myself what I wish I had had 10 years ago. I loved my wife. We were doing well as far as I knew and everything was fine. And she would have said the same thing, but I just had this sense that there was more, you know, if somebody said, well, what's the problem? I said, I don't know exactly. I just looking back, I'm very thankful for the Holy Spirit's direction to show me that there's more, you can go to another level. There's better than fine. There's better than happily married. It's what I now call ecstatically married. And I found that when you approach, start to approach that level 10, the Lord shows you it goes to 100, which is good news, not a discouraging thing. Or you start to approach level 100 and the Lord says, hey, it goes to 1,000 actually. So I don't know where I'm at in, in that chart at this point, but I know I'm not stopping. I know that the sweeter it gets, the sweeter it gets. And Natalie and I both are saying, yes, Lord. So, well, that's a different conversation too. <laughs> but uh, in all areas of life, as well as the bedroom. So um, it started with, you know, a journey of what does it look like to lead well? Because I knew our issues were in particularly when it came down to this whole headship and submission thing, I knew there was something missing there. All I ever knew was like, Hey, we're 50, 50 partners, I guess, you know, I don't really know what it looks like beyond that. And then the other thing was sex and marriage. I, I wanted more frequency. I wanted more freedom. And, uh, I didn't like how it seemed like my wife is really the keeper of the sex. I'm the seeker of the sex. Uh, if I, you know, if I try and do all the right things, if I try and wash the dishes, instead of be the family captain, if I can be the family butler, you know, maybe she'll admire me, maybe she'll be aroused by me, maybe she'll want to have more sex with me. And uh, all your listeners are like, yeah, I've tried that too. Yeah, I know it didn't work, but the Lord eventually showed me, hey, big boy, you can have everything you want. You know, the, the respect, the admiration, the sex life. And I'm going, great, thank you, sir. And he says, you'll just have to change as a man to have it. But I was on board for that. Like, I wasn't like, oh, never mind then. I'm I was genuinely wanted to walk in the fullness of what God had for me as a man. And uh, that's a process, of course, but that's what I did. And after Natalie and I started walking and enjoying the ecstasy of all that, I'm going, praise God. If I got the log out of my own eye, now I can help my brothers to get the speck out of theirs. And that's what the family captain's all about. So we got multiple ways and programs and coaching where I work with guys to transform their lives. And we, the flagship thing that we do is the family captain elite, which of course, George, you know all about. And uh, guys come through, they're like, yeah, things are good. Things are fine. And we go, we just take off and accelerate them in mission and vision 
and Christ-like leadership. No beating your chest. No, there's a new sheriff in town, little lady. None of that. Uh, but really focusing on your self-leadership so that your wife gets to enjoy the fruit. Your kids get to enjoy the fruit and you get to enjoy the fruit. Yeah. I, so I have been through the program. Uh, absolutely loved it. You know, I went into it thinking our marriage is pretty good and, you know, oh, we're seven, eight and uh, realized pretty quickly how, how blind I was in a lot of areas uh, of my own life and needed to um, level up, as you say. And the, the thing that I want to just reemphasize for you that you make very clear right up front with the guys is this is a work on you program. This isn't a fix your wife program. And, um, you know, it really is solely centered around, um, like you say, you know, become the best man your wife has ever known. And if you work from that starting point, then everything you're doing is personal growth and personal improvement based off of biblical truths. And, uh, you know, it doesn't get into like the, he said, she said type of situation. It's literally just be better, you know? And, uh, so I think if, if people are a little turned off at first, that's, you know, don't, don't twist this into something. It's not, it's, it's very pure. And, uh, John Michael, you know, I, w I will say, having worked with you through the program, you have a gift for really discerning people's different situations and give applying the right wisdom to each different scenario. And I've seen it over and over through all the different, you know, uh, meetings we had with all the guys and uh you know just being able to really cut through to where each man was at in his own life and all of the context and giving practical advice that really helped you know make a lot of improvement very quickly so that's my little plug for you as a as a graduate of the program Thank and you, uh yeah man I, I loved it i'm still learning a lot and uh just appreciate what you're doing so it's such a joy it's such a blessing you know the point you made about the self-leadership and the work on you if anything, I think that's more of a turnoff for most guys because they're like, well, yeah, but I really want to get her straight to which I say, I know, but here's the principle brother that you, it's obvious to those who have walked it out. And that is the feminine will respond to the masculine, or let me say it more specifically, the feminine is already responding to the masculine for better or worse. And the family captain, we just make sure it's for better. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious too. Once you, you apply some of the basics, um, and within a couple of weeks, you can already start to notice uh, differences in most cases, I think, where uh, you know, she starts responding in a positive way as opposed to, you know, you're doing your job, you're leading. So, Right. And you didn't have an all night conversation about it. You didn't say, let me show you these verses. You know, none of that. Just be the guy. And she's going, well, I have a new husband. Mr. 2.0 showed up. I like this guy. This is interesting. This is different. This is fun. This is loving. Generally speaking, People aren't going to reject bad leadership. You know, who's this new boss who's amazing, who treats us with compassion and uses his responsibility to take ownership and only uses his authority to do what's best for us? Who's this guy thinking? Like, we just welcome it. We go, praise God. What a great scenario we got. I love that. So, John Michael, we've talked a lot about um, spouses and relationships. Do you get into leadership with children as well? Do you find that uh, being part of the family captain has to do with uh, leading your children as well as uh, leading the entire family? Absolutely. So the, the primary thing that we see happen with guys is the example that they set in their own self-leadership immediately starts to show up in their children, sometimes even before their wife, uh, because kids are watching their dad and they're, they're wanting to adjust and they feel the effects and they're also the warmest. So a wife who might even have some bitterness, might even have some resentment, might even have a grudge from years of whatever wasn't happening. The moment it starts happening, the kid's response is typically yippee hooray, this is great. Whereas the wife is kind of like, we'll see about that at times. So it's a really 
easy inroad for a lot of guys. Even with their teenagers, we find ways to flank the grumpy teenager, and uh, we find ways to shepherd them. But yeah, we talk a lot about helping your kids go from one season to the next in life. Uh, we build family identity so that each household actually has a thumbprint to say, this is who we are. This is what we're about. So all this comes back into dad's quality time with his kids and we get practical there as well. If I can just interject to a little bit of the, the family culture impacts of it, you know, we just had a guy share a win in, in the group um, about, you know, his teenage child had some of their friends over and they were going to do talking about in the voyage? Yeah, and they were going to do their family okay. meeting, and you know he invited the the outside kids to stay and have dinner and everything. Oh, right, right, right. And it was this yes. amazing thing where the other kids were like, "I'm so jealous. Your family has this tight knit, you know, identity." And so there's there's a lot of fruit that comes way beyond just the relationship with your wife, you know. And, and it's it really it went. I think the thing that you drive home pretty quickly with the whole work on yourself thing is that fruit extends way beyond through your leadership. And so that was just a great example that literally just happened this week, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And I just want to call that out here. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, it goes back to the, uh, if you really want to know how good of a man, uh, a man really is, you go straight to his wife and his kids. Right. And so you can really test the fruit of somebody by going to them. And, you know, if they're saying he's the best man, I know, like you've said, uh, or your kids are saying you're the best daddy ever and they mean it and they're wholehearted and they're happy and they're smiling. They show all these different fruits. It's it's a hundred percent the most satisfying thing you will ever have as far as success. It's way better than money, power, any of that stuff. So, yeah, these these programs I love seeing your program especially because it's like he said you have humor, you have uh, realistic conversations. Like a lot of people will just they'll surface level. Oh, you could do this and start with this. And it's like no 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 no. Get down to the real root, grab the roots out, and pull it right. You know, you know, fix yourself, and then everything else kind of smooths out after. You know, so I love leadership I love is. I'm sorry, Brandon, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Leadership is a gift that heals families. Uh, I believe that when I started on this journey, and now I believe it a hundredfold. Though one of the things that I find myself doing, and this is the kind of thing I say to Natalie all, all the time, is like, I tell her, I'm like, I don't say half of what I believe when it comes to how powerful this stuff is, because I don't think anyone would believe me. I think they would think I'm selling something. And in all fairness to them, I am. Uh, like, but there's many days where I wish I wasn't, then I would grab everyone by the freaking throat and I would, and I would shove it down their throat as well and say, listen, um, this is, this is good. This is true. This is beautiful. I can't overstate the power of a godly family culture. I can't overstate the significance of building something beautiful. I can't overstate the depth of an amazing marriage and, and children who are secure and in all the, like you guys are talking about the, uh, collateral advantages, as I call them stuff that I would never predict when a guy comes on board and like, Hey, we know we're going to get these outcomes. That's not really up for question. Uh, but what's cool is going to see what the Lord does with this. What else happens that we could have never predicted. It's just, it doesn't stop, but this is how the Lord has set up the world. It started with a family. It's going to finish with a family. It's family here in the middle. And it comes down to the man who's leading that household. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So John, Michael, what do you think are the, the most common pitfalls that most men are falling into where, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. Like you said, you know, Oh, if I just be the family Butler, maybe she'll be more. So what are, what are those, some of those things? Cause I think a lot of people may not even realize that they're doing the wrong thing in the first place. Right. So that's, that's probably sure. a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, it's the stuff that you guys have heard before. It's the sin that we get honest straight from Adam 
It's the passivity. Uh, I I want to defer responsibility. Lord, it's not me. It's this woman that you gave. Actually, it's you, y'all owe me an apology, come to think of it. Um, and then, of course, modern culture. And I won't blame culture. It's the snake. We're not warring with flesh and blood. So it's Satan. It's the spirit of the age constantly beating this message into us of uh, what's called equality, really also meaning sameness instead of actual equal in value and worth, which all Christians agree with. Um, but role and distinction matter. And our wives have suffered for it. Christian women are anxious. Christian women are depressed. Christian men are anxious. Christian men are depressed. And the lies we've been sold about marriage and partnership and 50-50, like, they make everybody miserable. On paper, nobody can argue with them, but that's only because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how good it is and, and how manly it feels, how good it feels to take that burden on. So I rejected that forever. I was passive, but I got to hide behind Natalie's competency. And many husbands do the same. Like, my wife's amazing. She's powerful. He seems as though he's Mr. Perfect Feminist, uh, which, ugh. but, uh, you know, he seems great because he's so promotive of her, but really he's hiding behind her. She's a shield and she is standing between him and the world. And it should be just the opposite. And that's a hard pill to swallow. That was a hard one for me to swallow to actually realize, oh, I'm really just a coward. And I'm, and I'm bragging on Natalie's competency, although she is competent, godly, wise, wonderful, and beautiful. There's a place, there's a way for that to show up as my helper, as my wife, not as the head of the household, not to be another husband in the house. Yeah. So I think that was something I love uh, about what Brandon said. You know, even if you are the best man to other people, being a real man and being a true leader, it's, it's a constant battle. It's, it's something you're always going to keep doing. So you know, you could be the best, but you need to continue to improve. Even if you're the best, you can be better. And I think that's that's a great point. And I think that's something cool about your program. So I, I like that fact. So, so John Michael, if you don't mind, go into uh, your three legs of leadership uh, in case there's a new person, because it's it, it's an amazing um, concept. And I even apply it personally because it's so good. And um, just go into what, what kind of leadership qualities a man needs to work on. Yeah. So I've, I've never been able to hold on to all the definitions of leadership that I've heard. There's like the 97 precepts and the 21 concepts. And I'm like, man, those are super good. I just am not ever going to do anything with them. So thankfully, I don't take credit for it because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. I remember where I was standing. It dropped in me like a quarter in a phone booth. I don't know if all your listeners know what a phone booth is, but they're these things from the past. And uh, when the quarter hit, it hit, you know, it was like in there. But uh, the three legs of leadership, the way we define leadership are compassion, responsibility, and authority. If you're watching us, you can see like, like this rudder here. Um, so on the three legs, as we're elevating this platform, we want all three legs to be balanced, but we define them in a very particular way. We define compassion as you love your family a lot and they know it, not just, oh, I told them I love them and I mean it, <laughs> but can they feel that? There's a warmth and there's a care for them. They're being nurtured. You're gentle with your wife in particular and your children. Responsibility, we define that as you take ownership for all of the outcomes. It doesn't mean that every single thing that ever happens is your fault. It just means that you're the one who always goes, this is this is on me. You know, so as the captain of a ship, if the ship runs aground, that captain is fired. <laughs> That's happened multiple times, actually, in the past decade in the Navy. Uh, in one of the cases, the captain wasn't even on board. But guess who lost their job? 
um, because it's it's his ship, and well, you didn't train him well enough, apparently. So we take ownership of all the outcomes, and this helps us to not be a victim anymore. This helps us to not be like, well, this woman you gave me or the kids, but it forces our creativity. It forces our dependence on our head to say, Lord, help me, instead of, I quit. And then the third leg, and this is the leg that culture would push back upon, and unfortunately, even the church, but there is no leadership without authority. So we don't talk about authority with any kind of apology. And we define authority, again, in a particular way. Authority is the power. The power to what? Authority is the power to do what's best for your family. So this would apply anywhere. Like, everybody knows their boss has authority over them. If he takes ownership, well, that's a surprise and that's a blessing. If he's compassionate, that's great too. We see this in all areas of life. We recognize that leadership means authority. But there's this one environment where when it comes to leadership, we want this guy to be compassionate. Melvin, you better be compassionate. Yes, okay. Melvin, you better take ownership of all the outcomes. It's all your fault also is what Melvin's told. Melvin goes, okay. And then Melvin says, do I have any actually power to accomplish? No, you don't. You can't. You can care a lot and you can try real hard, but no, you don't have like actual ability to move things Just be forward. a servant leader, man. Just if you were a better servant leader, Melvin, maybe everyone would follow you automatically. It's like the Queen of England. You're a figurehead. I like <laughs> exactly. You're the fall guy. And there and it's not that it's not that Christians don't believe in authority. It's just that where they place it. They do believe there's authority in a marriage. They just won't say it out loud. Um, they hide behind the phrase of it's 50-50. Well, anytime a guy tells me his marriage is 50-50, me and his wife look at each other, and this is hypothetical. And and we she and I both know better. And and this is the lie that the church has been pretending for a while now. It's 50-50. It's not. It's not. There's no such thing. And somebody's going to defer. Somebody's going to submit. And, of course, we reject the extreme that Melvin – Melvin is this guy that I pick on, this fictional character. Melvin is me. It's Melvin is the flesh. But Melvin wants to reject his responsibility by jumping to an extreme caricature and going, I guess you just want to drag women around by their hair, to which I would say – First of all, that's a private bedroom conversation for every couple. I'm not going to go there. But second of all, no, of course not. We hate sin. We reject sin. The scripture makes no place for it. So any abusive example you have from some jackass who taught it improperly or a church who modeled it wrong, we reject it. We reject both sins, Melvin. We reject the tyrant and we reject the passive wimp. Which one are you, brother? Which one is most of Christian culture? Well, you got to be careful with that stuff. You don't need to be careful with the Word of God. You need to be obedient to the Word of God. And when you are, everyone will actually thrive. But if your wife is not thriving, if she is not freaking flourishing, brother, if you're not a man on fire, excited about your family culture, your family identity, if it's just a place you got to go and try and keep mama happy, good news, good news. All that can be changed by walking in obedience to the Lord. Yeah. And the other thing you uh, share a lot about is, you know, that leadership that's using all three legs effectively. So you're a balanced leader, you know, who is, you have the authority through compassion, right? You're not just a tyrant. Um, you create a covering for your family, a shelter that they can reside in. And especially for your wife, that creates um, an environment where she isn't carrying the weight of the world all the time. And her anxiety isn't just at peak levels because you've put half of the burden on her. And it's not saying that your wife does nothing. That's, again, don't twist what we're saying here. You know, it's, you know, people love to do that these days. They'll, they'll take a little snip and uh, cut it up and to make it sound like you're saying something you're not. That's not what we're saying. We are saying right. that the husband has a role, the wife has a role, and together you raise a family. 
that is strong and um to deny either role is a disservice to your children and ultimately their gen their next generation too um and so that's you know you, that's why you get so fired up about it is because it's the truth and for too long we've shied away from that truth and i think the society we have today is very indicative of well the lie is obviously a lie and it's it's making a lot of damage so um you know the stats right now are just horrendous just divorce you know child delinquency and all that kind of stuff i mean it's the, the status quo is not working so maybe you know that's something i've even talked about a lot in, in my own circles is like you know, maybe our great-grandparents did have it more right you know i'm sure they, they have plenty of flaws but they didn't seem to struggle with a lot of stuff we are right <laughs> what was different so. yeah the fruit tells the truth man like well, I'm going to do it this way. All right. Well, your way sucks as evidenced by the fruit that you're facing. So I'm not mad at you. I'm mad for you. Like people have been lied to and it feels like a heavy burden. It's very intimidating at first when a guy hears this. First of all, because right now it's just like, it sounds like theory. It sounds like, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? No, bro, you don't know my wife. You know, all the objections that come up instead of even if it's going to be difficult, even if it's going to be challenging, Jesus went to the cross. Why? For the joy it was set before him. You wouldn't think of the cross as a joyful thing. And much has been made about the difference between joy and happiness, but it's the joy of the outcome. So if you and if, if we were to give our lives for our families, that would actually provide a deep joy. That would be a deep, that's like a male fantasy, man. Like I hope that I can kill 900 ninjas at 3 a.m. And then as I kill the last one, I'm bleeding out and my family's all around and they're like, dad, we love you. And I'm like, I love you. You know, I'm like, that's a deep joy. It's not the happiest day, but I'm happy to give myself in a provisional way for them. Like, I'm, I'm happy to be first in line and I'm happy to suffer for a purpose, not for nothing, but for a purpose. And when men actually realize, bro, this is your garden, you get to tend it. You've been living in it as an employee, but when you start living in your garden as an owner, it gets exciting. It's actually fun. Like, that's the big piece. It's fun, dude. Your life is the video game. You get to level up your character, and your character is you. Bloop. Oh, he just got some strength points. That's the level up sounding, in case you guys didn't know. Uh, like, oh, he can get I'll, better I'll at edit it in and post for you. He can get the, better the at romance. Episode. Like, he can get better at finances. Like, well, I know the video game gives you the quicker dopamine hit, uh, but this other one leaves a legacy that impacts a thousand generations. And, and it will impact your bedroom, and it will impact the boardroom, and it will impact... I don't know any other room that you and your wife pick, but yeah. One one quick thing that someone said, I forget who it was that said it to me, but it really should drive the point home is, you know, like you were talking about the fantasy. Oh, you know, I'll die for my family. Every guy says that oh, I'll take a bullet for my family. Yeah. But are you going to live for them? And that's where it's the daily leadership using the three legs and, and a lot of the principles that you teach that most guys aren't doing. And they don't realize that they're wounding their family by not, owning up to that and making it I would die for my family. Cool. Will you wake up with the alarm clock for the on the first time for your family? Exactly. <laughs> oh, what does that got to do with anything? Aha. It's got everything to do with everything. Yeah. I, so, I, I, I would rule over the... I mean, if I was the president, I'd be the best. Man, right. I, if I was president... I'd be huge. <laughs> yeah, I'd be huge, first of all. But, uh, but are you ruling over your household well? You know, are you ruling over yourself well? Because if you're faithful and little... The Lord's going to add to that. Your influence will grow. Yeah, and so I, I actually, this is completely off topic, but 
with the rise of the internet and the rise of AI and social media and all the things that are not only distractions, but so many answers from so many different way, like places, what advice would you give to fathers to try to find the right answers and maybe let's say leadership or something, you know, that would help their family that guides them in the right way to find, you know, whatever room they're trying to be in, uh, so to speak. I don't know if I understand the question, Justin, I'm sorry. So, so with with a with so many answers out there right now my question would be you know from your program what is something that they can use to find the right answers in leading their family in the right direction i guess is the best way to ask that if okay that makes sense. so not not like the answer to this question would not be listen to the present father's podcast <laughs> i mean it could be <laughs> Uh, listen to the that's actually the only podcast. answer okay so right i mean i, did, I wanted to correct <laughs> like and subscribe share the video thanks all right <laughs> and that's what i have to say about that i i'm sorry i feel like i'm struggling to to serve you well here man i don't know if i'm getting it we live in like the age of information overload i think is what you're trying to yeah. say right yeah and so you know i guess if I'm, I'm reading into this john michael like what what about your program is cutting through all of that and kind of getting straight okay to what the, in the, the program i'm sorry that's what yes. i, was I, I think right. that's what is that what you're asking justin yeah because there's so many different people who are experts on leadership oh right yeah you see like a how to lead your Instagram. family or okay. how to be more successful in life you know i was gonna say stuff. like well obviously just follow andrew tate and you'll be good to go <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah I'm so what is like the secret sauce and this is real deep the secret sauce for me the foundation really is the bible <laughs> like that's my sunday school answer and it's the right answer but seriously i mean i approach the those verses and i go this must mean what it plainly says instead of well that was written to a time and a people and a place for a reason yeah like the whole bible uh and also inspired by the holy spirit uh, for us and it's profitable for us so i take that approach i don't do biblical gymnastics to get out of what's plainly spoken Oh, all of this is good. Or Ephesians 5 is good. Well, you got no, you got to understand, okay? Diana at the temple and the prostitution. So what it, what it was was, okay, see, at the Council of Crimea, when they did the thing with the people and the church fathers and the what it what you'll find is, like, like you lost me. I. It's funny I how they gloss over the verse I'm about not, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Now, see, well, but that's different too there, Brother George. Mm. So let me explain to you why, you know, why all of my beliefs run countercultural, except for this one vein, just culture totally loves what I have to believe. Like Christians, aren't you nervous, by the way, when you're in total agreement with what the culture would teach on something? Uh, but that is the answer. It's I go, first of all, to be masculine is something. To be feminine is something. They are both a glory, a glory and a joy. God calls them both good. So... We want the polarity that the Lord wants, oceans and deserts, masculine and feminine, light and dark, hot and cold. These things are good, and we're, we're being robbed. So we also take the assumption that it's good to be manly. It's good to be masculine. It's good to lead, and that a man can lead in a way where everybody wins. So that's the foundation. Without that, it, I am just another freaking voice. Like, who cares? You know, like, well, this guy says it that way, or this guy says it that way. Like, well, if they're getting anything right, it's because they're teaching biblical principle. Whether or not they're using chapter and verse is irrelevant. If they're getting beautiful and glorious fruit, there's heathens who do that. There are. Um, there's there's people in, in the manosphere who do an excellent job, 
who do a better job than pastors do when it comes to teaching on marriage and what it should look like. And they think that we came from a mud puddle. You know, they think we came from monkeys that crawled out of, I don't know, they came from bunnies who came from, I don't know what the first critter was that crawled out of that puddle. They got hit by lightning in Neverland forever ago. But, uh, I mean, these guys think we're just a bunch of mammals out here humping each other, and they're still getting gender dynamics more biblical than a lot of the churches. But the answer is the word. The answer is like, it's there. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. But forever, I couldn't see it. Forever, I'm just like, I wish the Bible was more plain. I wish there was more here. And then as I started going on that journey, I couldn't unsee it anymore. I'm like, look at this. Look at this. It was here. I was in denial. I was raised in I was raised in and baptized in the waters of feminism, not with anyone taking a deliberate action, godly parents. And at the same time, here I am with the same misunderstandings, with a wife who has the same misunderstandings. And any of this language becomes triggering to all of us because we make false assumptions. So can, do you mind if I get a little bit personal? And can you, can you talk about just in your own family, even before you were kind of running the program and, and working with others, you know, how drastically different things are for you. And then I guess you could also go into how you've seen that replicated with, with all the men you've worked with. Yeah. Oh man, I wish Natalie was in here. She would, she would be the better one to answer it because she has a much better memory than me. But as far as the, the turnaround, it was like I said, uh, it wasn't so much that our marriage was at a two and then it went to a 10. It was at a seven, eight. And then it went to, you know, again, like 500. Um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. So we, we certainly got out of the whole, uh, we're just, you know, we're just partners. We're just life partners. I happen to have a penis. You happen to have a vagina. But that's the only difference between us. Everything else is just preferences. Uh, so we certainly got away from that nonsense. And I learned how to be the man, which foundationally is responsibility. And I learned what that looked like. But the turnaround really is just the joy and the depths of polarity. The like I talked to you guys about this in the voyage recently, George. I said, uh, man, if there is a downside to polarity between husband and wife, I haven't found it yet. And I will. I, I will say if I find one, but I haven't. The more extreme Natalie and I get in masculinity and femininity, the more I want. The more I'm like, this is amazing. I feel like a king. And Natalie feels like she's loved and cherished and taken care of and she's soft and she's feminine. And <laughs> the guys in the chat are, uh, I shouldn't have looked. I looked at the wrong time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the, the personal turnaround stuff, like we, we had our, we had our, our bickerings where I was starting in the beginning, George, to learn things, but I had no wisdom. I had no guidance with any of it. I just knew I was learning something and I'm excited about it. And when I know something's right, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I will tell you about it until you believe. And that could be with anything, big or small, important or non-important. So I didn't have any wisdom to navigate. I'm just like, baby, I'm learning this. I'm seeing this. And look, I mean, this verse plainly says, and how could we not? And this one too, and this one too, and this one too, and this one too. And oh yeah, all these are New Testament. So you can throw out that argument that's coming next. Like, well, God was a different God in the Old Testament, which is a lie. But anyway, like all this is here. And, and then, of course, you know, her responses were all the trained responses. Well, you know, I just, I just, you know, but we're equal. And like, yes, we're equal in value and worth. And our roles are different. I will be having zero babies throughout this marriage. I guarantee it. Um, but what I will do 
is I will take ownership and I'll take responsibility. A wife is afraid a lot of times that she's going to lose, uh, that she's afraid that he'll lead exclusively, exclusively with the leg of authority, which is why in Second Peter, First Peter, Second Peter, First Peter chapter two. Somebody check me on that. Uh, it's why he tells wives, you can be like Sarah, who, you know, forget, forget calling Abraham Lord. Like, I don't know any wife who's ready for that. Um, but if you don't fear anything that is frightening, because it's a woman's fears that causes her to take action. So I'm afraid of this thing, so now I'm going to control this thing. I'm afraid you're going to do something wrong with the finances, so I've got the finances. And we go, okay, baby, you're better at that stuff anyway, says Melvin, who doesn't want to have the responsibility of keeping track of the bills. Um, so we had all that. Natalie ran the finances, and I hid behind, she's better at that. It's literally addition and subtraction. You know, it's not calculus. It's literally addition and subtraction, but Natalie's better with all that. But she's got to feel the pressure of it all. So that was something that changed. It was just, it wasn't one thing. It was everything. And as I kept finding, I'm like, this is pressure. This isn't the right pressure either. There's a, a feminine glory. There's a feminine strength. But the feminine strength doesn't try to be masculine. It really is a feminine glory. And she's been able to walk in that more fully. She lives a life of surrender now. And she goes, I'm loved. <laughs> I have a head. I have a covering, which is exactly what men can do, of course, with the Lord. <sighs> the Lord is my shepherd. I'm so glad I'm not the top of the food chain. I, I love that about, especially let's touch on the, the responsibility a little bit more because a lot of guys, they, they almost treat their wives like, and you'll hear a lot of women say this, but they'll say uh, they'll, they'll almost treat their wives like moms, like that they're, they're literally doing everything under the house and the, the dad or the husband's just like, well, I mean, it's their job. So again, shirking the responsibility. So I was guilty of this in some aspects, um, like with the finances. And then I understood, just like you said, that this was a, a burden. And not only that, but when I give that to her, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. I have no way to predict and protect. And I have no way to control um the narrative whatsoever. So me being involved and learning and, and working with her in the finances allowed me to just take it over. Like I just completely took over our finances. And now she's like, are we good, honey? I said, Hey, we're great. You know? And if, if this, if it's not, it's, Hey, let's cut back a little bit for a couple of weeks, X, this, X, that, you know, and then we're great. And we've, you know, for 15 years, we've been, we've been flawless. And so, and that, that's like you said, when you when you take that responsibility, yes, it is a weight, but it's a good weight. It's just like any other weight training. You become it becomes light and you're you're more strong, strong the strength, the, the the power is there. And then you're you're just able to lift it and it's not a burden to you. And, you know, your wife, it, it was a burden. It was it was just like you said, it was more anxiety, something else to worry about on top of being a nurturer for the kids. So when she's focused on that, she can't focus on the kids or she can't focus on you know, anything that she wants or, or, or strives for it's, it's strictly on what can I do to serve my family? And then it's just, oh, that's all she does is serve. There's nothing outside of that. And so the responsibility is such an important thing. Can, can you give um, some of these guys listening, maybe just a couple ideas of, of ways they can start improving in the, the responsibility leg? The way I describe it is there's this huge pile of debris and 
there's big rocks, there's huge chunks in it, there's smaller rocks, and there's sand. The thing that you need to do is you need to go move the big rocks. That's what you were built for. That's what you were made for. So start by identifying what are the biggest rocks? What are the things that it would just be, it's just overwhelming to your wife. You know, I'm thinking about the guy who, their 16-year-old, no, 18-year-old, was still sleeping in their bed, a special needs son. Um, and that was just the kind of thing that we tried. We, you always find the we. Hey, babe, let's try to do this. Let's try to do that. They always want to lump her in, make her responsible and make her accountable instead of let her be your helper, but you are the guy. You're the point man, and you feel that pressure. You feel like if it doesn't happen, it's because you failed. Don't. That doesn't make you a failure. Identity in Christ makes you secure, so you're not worried about failing at anything. Even if you fail, not a failure. You're a child of God. You're loved dearly as a son. Um, but that guy who, for 18 years, he's like, yeah, we can't get him out of our bed. And then by the time he had finished 12 weeks in the family captain, his son was out in his room, and he and his wife were able to make love again because their 18-year-old son is no longer in their bedroom. You know, it's it's identifying what is the thing that's just burdensome to her. What is the thing that's burdensome to the household? For some guys, it is the budget. For John Michael, that was a that was a big first step for us, because like I mean, I wasn't like just handing her a hundred thousand dollars every month either. Like, hey, whatever, however you figure it out, that wouldn't have been that much pressure. But we were in a very very difficult season financially. Whose responsibility is that? Well, everybody's a team. Nice try, Melvin. Men are primary. Men are the responsible one to provide for their households. If any one of us ends up homeless in a box on the side of the road, nobody's going to look at our wife and go, dang, she really dropped the ball there. Who are they looking at and why? Because it's right. That is the role of a man. We are a protector, provider, and a leader. This is what we were made for. It's what we're built for. So as you look around, you just keep asking, what's best and what's next? What's the big rock? Your wife can move sand. Your kids can move sand and smaller rocks. Well, I, I just want to be helpful. I appreciate you being helpful. But you don't want the president of the United States coming to cut your grass, do you? I don't. I'm going, Joe. First of well, all, I don't. I don't. I can't even finish a sentence. Able. So, um, but I, I, I prefer to. I, you can serve me best by leading me well. That's what loving leadership does. That's the only way I'm ever okay with using the phrase servant leader, because usually it's just code for family butler. But if we mean servant leader, if we actually meant, and no one does, but if we actually meant, I will serve you with leadership. George Washington served his troops by leading well. You know, the president should serve the nation by leading well, not by, I'm going to come to every American's home and wash dishes to show you I'm a servant leader. Like, bro, you're an idiot. Get back to the White House. Govern. You know, husband's like, oh, baby, can I this, can I that, can I this, can I that? There's a time and a place for all that. But most guys have been brainwashed into, that is leadership. Homie, no, it's not. It's not. It's mostly servitude, and it's mostly people-pleasing, and it's mostly cowardice. So you've got to identify in your own household. For me, the first step was the budget. Another thing could just be the discipline of the kids. Do the, do the children not honor mom when she speaks? Like, Bubba, you've got to solve it. And I don't mean just snap on them tonight. I'm talking systematically work, weed this out of your household and out of your children. For their good, for your wife's good, for everybody's good. You know, like, it's, it's screen time. You know, man, my wife's addicted to her phone. How do I get her off her phone? Buddy, be more interesting than her phone. What is Instagram giving her that you're not? Like, it all depends on what you can identify as the big rock and the big thing. Like, what's the next thing? And it's, if you look at the whole pile, you get overwhelmed. But you just go, 
I'm going to move that freaking rock. That's going to be big. But eventually you start moving all this stuff and the water starts trickling through and you go, Ooh. and the more time goes by, more water starts flowing. And eventually like the river is fully unlocked. There's everything's flourishing. Everything's green. And if this sounds idealistic again, like this is why I don't talk this way that much because I just don't think people believe it. I don't think people, enough people have seen it. I don't think there are enough examples of it. I don't think there are enough marriages that people go, sign me up for that. But we should, and we've got to start somewhere. Did I answer you, Brandon, or do you feel yes, like Yes, the distinctions, especially with the rocks, was was flawless. I, I love that, and that's something I'll be thinking on for a while. So great, great job, for sure. Dustin, I think you had something. It's also code, Brandon, to lift heavier weights. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> I do even lift, bro. That's right. You know, it's a really helpful analogy. I like um, I like thinking about that because sometimes I'll get caught in the nitty-gritty, and then it's hard to lead when you're so focused on little details. So get to the big rocks first and then worry about the details. I like that. Um, I'll give an example of me being, a, me being a Melvin who hid behind Natalie. It's, it's a really interesting example. So for the majority of our marriage, I didn't even know how to run the dishwasher. And I've come to find out that's like one of the simplest things to run. I still can't. I mean, in my defense, our washer and dryer, I think are complicated. Um, but I can't really run either of them. And I never do. But here's my point. Early in our marriage, I didn't do any of that stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't because I was doing anything else. It wasn't because I was moving big rocks. It was because I was doing nothing. I went to work. Hey, I'm providing. Okay, you're welcome. You know, that that was it. Um, so I, I didn't do anything. Whereas now, I still hardly ever do any like household kind of tasks. But I'm lifting big freaking rocks all the freaking time. And, and Natalie sees that and she's grateful and she's the beneficiary of it. Now, I do know how to load the dishwasher now. I regularly uh, participate and stuff like I'll grab the broom in the kitchen. I'm helping Melvin who's listening right now. Like I bet this guy Natalie's chained to the water heater right now in Melvin's mind. Um, you know, and she's not, she's not, she gets a coupon once a week to leave the house. She can go wherever she wants as long as it's only five minutes away. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very kind ruler you'll find. But anyway, so it's like, I still don't do that much of, of like the little things, but dude, I'm moving big rocks like nonstop. When I see a big rock, I'm like, I'm killing it. That's mine. Yeah. No, I mean, the studies are fascinating on it. There's tons of psychological studies that show that the more chores men do, typically the less sex they have. And it, it's, it's a very interesting, it's kind of the opposite. Right? We're told, oh, if you help out a lot that, you know, that that'll happen. It uh, does not, it does not play out that way. So we're seeing 60, 70% of college graduates, doctors, lawyers are all female. Now you, you have women that are just dominating men in terms of um, making money in terms of leadership, all these things. So a lot of men are getting me in the situation where their wives out earn them, where their wives are very powerful at work. Um, and so I'm curious how that dynamic works in the home. Do you feel like a woman who is very powerful and leads a fortune 500 company and makes all the money while the man stays home can be in a situation where the man is still the captain in that, in that scenario? Yeah. A thousand percent. Yes. He almost never is from day one because they both fell into that dynamic on accident. Like she's used to, or even a school teacher, she doesn't even have to have a powerful position, but if she's used to like commanding all day long, Hey, you stop. Hey, you, this, if she's got to run the ship at school. She comes home. It's a habit. It's not even necessarily sinister. It's not even necessarily like the evil feminist, witch. it's none of that. It's and just do like, it too. What's we that? do it too. We do it too. Men do it yeah, too. It's not just, exactly. it's, it's yeah. some, it's hard to separate work. If you're, if you're 
a boss at work, it's hard to come home and not snap yeah. to what works at work, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. George in the military, you know, I tell this man to go and he goes, I tell this man to come and he comes. I tell my wife and daughter and they go, daddy, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. No, I put but, people to sleep at work and then I come home and I knock my kid out with gas. You know, it's, I think it's wrong, right. but you know, it's just, oh, you can't, oh, you can't oh, separate. Am I a bad father now? He's so well behaved, dude. Just, he's That's never right. acting he just out. sleeps like a baby. It's great. <laughs> daddy and mommy need some us time. It's like the wine moms at the gas station. <laughs> It's gonna be sixty minutes on Dustin someday. <laughs> He's like, "Here, sweetie, does this smell like chloroform?" <laughs> For those who can't tell, this is what's called humor. <laughs> Obviously. All right, Natalie, I'm still on this podcast. <laughs> I told you, I unchain you at eleven o'clock. You know, you, you touched on something that was so true. Like, my wife's a second grade school teacher, and so she's like, she just boom, boom, boom. You know, she she structures the crap out of everything, and she's. She's very forceful and very um, authoritative. Um, and then she came home, you know, the first few years and she was trying to, I said, honey, I'm not one of your kids at school. You, you, you need to slow that, slow that down, back it up a little bit. Let's, let's talk through this. And we had to work through when you get done with work, you got to turn that off, you know, and over, I'd say probably a year and a half, man, we got it. We got it nailed and it, it, it made it so much better. Uh, but you have to be able to identify that. And that's, that's such a good point is that it, it really yeah. can bleed off from work. You have to be able to identify it and recognize this is irritating. This is brother. There's a word for it. It's disrespectful. You're allowed to say it out loud. You feel it. You should say it. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to come guns blazing with her and go, you're disrespecting me. Like in all fairness to her, what the heck? Like we've been doing this for a decade and all of a sudden tonight I'm disrespectful. Um, so <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't look at the chat. Don't look at the chat. I won't look at the chat anymore. Highly I professional here tonight. I thought that when I said it. <laughs> no, you didn't. I saw your face. That's what I said. I looked away from the camera. Oh, God. Anyway. Deep breath, everyone. Back. We got this. <sighs> Back in here. Um, a wife at home who's used to running everything else. What do you do? How can you handle that? Yes, absolutely. You can have the polarity in your marriage. She can come in that door and go, like, I'm no longer the keeper. I'm being kept. And you're like, I have someone who cares for me. I'm so thankful to come and rest from what I've been experiencing today. And now I know I have a husband. I know I'm entering the greenhouse and he is the greenhouse. He is the one who's sheltering from the storm all day. I had to be whatever boss babe, which it's a whole different conversation of can you and should you still be feminine at work as a woman? And the answer is yes, a million times yes, but I don't coach women. So um, back to the bro, you've got to identify it, and then you got the cur- you got to have the courage to start standing up to it, which, by the way, almost always guys think, my wife won't follow me. Brother, family leadership starts with, for most guys, stop following. Forget leading. Forget leading. We'll get to that. But step one for many guys is stop following. It's simple stuff. It's the little and it's the big. It's when she says, oh, park here. I'm not parking there. Why didn't you park here? Because I didn't want to. I love you. Everything's going to be okay. Like, I don't give answers. I don't give explanations. Why? Because I'm a grown man and I respect myself too much. And you might not. I can't make you. It's not control. It's not control, but it is a fence. And you're going to start running into this fence. I'm not going to impale you on it. But you will run into it many times. You go, take this fence down. I go, I won't. I won't. You know, 
or, or all the little commands that come. Hey, do it. Load the dishwasher like this. I loaded it how I wanted to load it, baby girl. I got it. I mean, or after whatever. doing your program that on that example, very similar. Full details like this, or what you know. And I was just like, "How about you ask me first? And she—that's a great line. You yep. could ask me a kind. You're, you're right. Question. You're right, honey. Can you can you fold that? I'd love to, babe. Happy. Yeah, to. I don't care. Yeah. If you that was something I learned. I mean, it's it's little, but and I realized how often I would just not say anything because I would never if I treated her like that, it'd be met with instant rebuttal. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're so it's like. Tyrant. What a monster. It's just, it's basic stuff that we just take for granted nowadays where it's like, it's simple respect um, that it should is. go both ways. It's not, yeah. Anyway. Well, she she's going to feel my care. She's going to feel a tenderness. So she can ask me a kind and respectful question. Baby, can I ask you something? Yeah, baby. Whenever you do this, could you please this? And if I can, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but I don't want her leading ever. I always want to be leading. When Natalie leads at all, I realize, first of all, I'm inspecting, did I fail here? Like, did I create a vacuum for her to step into? And then if I go, I didn't, this is like a, a unique scenario. And she's just stepping into leadership rather than a, a genuine surrender. And of course, George knows we talk about this a lot in the voyage. The voyage, by the way, is like the, when you graduate, when you become an alumni, you can go into the voyage. But we talk a lot about how to guide your wife into her emotions, which most men want to run away from. Most men are deliberately always masculinizing their wives. What are you saying? Cut to the chase. Brother, you are destroying the feminine heart. You are hardening a woman and you are ruining her soul. As opposed to, baby, tell me what you're feeling. Well, I feel like you're a jerk. That's not a feeling, baby. That's an accusation. You notice what she did there? She didn't actually give a feeling. A feeling is I feel hurt. What did that require? Vulnerability. What does that require? Surrender. What does that also require? Trust. She doesn't have that, so she jumps to, I, I want the thing I want. This is why when we're driving down the road, she doesn't say, I'm frightened, which is, of course, if she said that, my foot is instantly coming off the gas and moving to the brake. But when she says, slow down, you're driving like an idiot, I'm going, ho, 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 I am actually the greatest driver in the world, and I can go 30 miles an hour faster. You know, like, that's my ego, of course. That would be the wrong response, but hers was as well, whereas Counselor Melvin is going to give her the pass, or Pastor Melvin's going to give her the pass. Joe Michael, you should have slowed down because she was afraid. Actually, she should have just said, I'm scared. In which case, loving husband goes, oh, baby, I don't want you to be afraid. <sighs> Slow right down. Now, can she use her feelings and weaponize them and try and control the outcomes? She could certainly try to. But again, like to my Christian sisters, that's where I say, welcome to submission, my sister. It's genuine surrender. It's not a trick. It's not a way to get, it's not a subtle way. It's not a feminine way to then control your husband. It's actual surrender. It's an actual giving up of the outcome, putting it in his hands, and then he chooses what he'll do. What if he doesn't do what I want? Welcome to submission, my sister. I don't know how, I, I don't know how you got to 40 years old and didn't ever know this. You, what did you think it was? Like, he has a head. Do you trust in his head? Yeah, I trust the Lord. I just, you don't. And I get it. It's I have flesh. You have flesh. I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad for you because you have been robbed of peace. You have been robbed of, of, of surrender. You've been robbed of joy. You've been robbed of rest. And you've often robbed yourself because of your fears. You fear many things that are frightening, and therefore you seek to control. But if you would walk in surrender, well, if I don't pay the bills, he'll let the power go out. Honey, let it go out. Let that man feel the weight of his consequences. Your kids aren't going to starve, and y'all aren't going to freeze to death. Let him feel his weight. And I'm talking to women. Women aren't listening. I don't know where I'm going anymore.
Actually, well, half of our viewers, I think, are women. So hey, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's for about 40, 50 percent, actually. Yeah. But it, what's sad about that is that a woman will not let her husband lead and won't be submissive to her husband, but she'll turn around and go to work and she'll be submissive and let a man that she doesn't love or know that just gives her a paycheck lead her. I'll help him in his mission. I'll, I'll give my life to him. I'll give 40 hours to him in his mission so he can buy his third house. Uh, but when I come home, I need some help around here. You know, it's like, well, what happened to being his helper? I'm not going to serve no man. Yeah, except that you are. Yeah, you're serving Programming. your master. It's just which one. That's interesting. Yeah. So what uh, details specific, what is uh, what does your day look like? If you're, you said you're not doing chores, you're not, you know, kind of being the Melvin in that sense. So are you educating the kids? Are you working on your programs? What does the day look like for you in that sense? So full time, I'm doing the family captain. I'm uh, also a pastor. So we planted our church two and a half years ago. So uh, those two roles are you know, really significant and beyond that. But I mean, I'm having breakfast, lunch and dinner with Natalie and the boys. Uh, this is the office that I'm in here. So I'm at the house and I'm with them and I'm around them. You know, I go to work out. But beyond that, I'm working with my guys. I'm coaching my clients, uh, running the business and, you know, continuing to what I, I can break away from work. I can do things um, if I hear that I need the boys need more strength than she's got. I'm certainly all a part of that. But Natalie runs the household. Um, she runs the the dynamics of their day. She runs the and she she oversees all that. That is authority delegated to her. So she has tons of authority that I've delegated to her. And then like we didn't do that in a formal way. It was just obvious. She's godly. She's capable. She's wise. She's wonderful. She's intelligent. Uh, she's a college grad. I'm a college dropout. So uh, all that like she can do all the things, and I thank God for her because she's amazing. But she and I have such unity. That, Sorry, I'm just confused how you're running a successful business without a college degree. I just, I can't really. Yeah, I'm supposed to be dead in the gutter. Like, after I graduated. You're not homeless? Uh, okay. Not yet. Strange. I don't know when that part happens, but my, my guidance counselor assured me it was coming. Oh, man. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I just, going through your program, my eyes were open to so much that we um, really, you know, we were taught wrong. Uh, and most of it came from the church, which is actually the most frustrating thing about it that, you know, I grew up in the church and being taught all these things, saw it in my own family dynamics. And, uh, to your point earlier, there's, there's a lot of secular sources that are getting it more right than the church. That's a problem that needs to change today. You know, it, it actually needed to change 30 years ago, but I'm encouraged um, though, because I see more and more, I'm seeing more and more of this kind of conversation happening in the body of Christ. I'm seeing more and more ministries. I'm seeing more and more coaches. I'm I, like, just anytime I hear the conversations, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> if they're not against us, they're for us. And, uh, and we can, we'll take all the progress we can get with it. Yeah. So I think that kind of jumps well into, um, you know, how your influence has grown and, and the, the amount of people that you're working with has grown. Um, you're actually hosting a conference coming up. You want to talk about that a little bit and, uh, what that all will entail heck yeah man so in nashville in september 51 days as of this moment um september 14 15 and 16 um we're gonna have ryan frederick 
Oh, there it is right there on Eventbrite. So you can go to Eventbrite, and if you just search the family captain on Eventbrite, you'll find it. Uh, but Ryan Frederick is going to join us. He is of fierce marriage. So he and his wife, Selena, they've been in, in the marriage ministry game for a long time now. And they're faithful believers, God-honoring Christians, and a lot of wisdom there. Dylan Davis, he is an alumni of the Family Captain Elite. And he's also the host pastor for the event. He's going to be speaking at the conference as well. And uh, we're going to have a good time, man. So many of the guys in the Family Captain Elite have already signed up and are going to be there. Uh, but this is not just an alumni conference. This is definitely a come on, come on. Like even your brother-in-law who doesn't know anything about anything but loves the Lord and he's married, then he should be there. And he'll go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about this that way. Okay, that's different. I, mean, I thought anybody who believed that verse, you know, hated women. Like, oh, actually not. Man, they're talking about loving their wives well. So we're going to have practical stuff. We're going to have encouraging stuff. And then, of course, the fellowship that goes into the brotherhood when we're when we're face-to-face -face there. We're going to have some some real quality time, which we need. I'm looking forward to it. I will see you there. And uh, maybe I can rope some of these guys into making a quick little trip, too. I Man. think Brandon's going to be in Florida having vacation. You know, I guess that's okay. I can make it. I'm, I'm upset about it, man. I was like, please don't be this week. Please don't be this week. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, it's the week. No. So it's okay, though. I will be there the following year. The Lord will forgive you, and I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is actually uh, dovetails really well into an aspect that we've kind of touched on, but maybe not really from the lens of why it's so important as a leader of your family is to you can't just lead on your own. And you've, you've got to have, um, you know, brotherhood and fellowship. And so, you know, for me, it's not just the guys in the podcast, it's the voyage. There's so many times where I'm struggling with something or I need some, you know, input from someone. And it's, it's an older, wiser, maybe not older, a wiser man than me gives that, that guidance and helps me either, you know, get out of my own anger or frustration and look at things from a different light. And, and then I can lead my family better because of it. So can you touch on, from your perspective, how critical that is and, um, you know, where, where having that around you makes you a better leader. Not, it's not just yeah. shouldering the world on your own. Right. Well, I mean, it's because headship is a thing, you know, just like parents, the mothers as well, ladies, you know, like we don't just dump everything on our kids. If we're a loving parent, we don't go, you know what? I need you to be my friend right now. Like that's selfish. Um, there's a degree where we're trying to help them grow up. So there's a there's an appropriate amount of something to share with them. But we can't be like, I don't know how we're going to pay these next bills. Unless you're turning it into a let's pray and turn to the Lord and watch a miracle. That'd be a good thing. Um, and this, So parents know not to do that. A loving husband should trust his wife completely. But John Michael, my habit was to overshare. So this was a lesson that I had to learn, like, that doesn't serve Natalie well. Well, I'm just being open, and I was, I've was i been trained that I've got to communicate. Yeah, but look at the fruit, stupid. This is not a blessing to your wife. I know feminism told you to say everything because y'all are equal and same, but you're not the same. So lovingly take more burden on yourself. It, but then guys go, I guess I'll just keep it to myself. No, brother. No. Two points here. You have a head. His name is Jesus. Ladies, of course, you have the, the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Your husband's not your high priest. So, again, listen to what I say, not to what I don't say. Um, but then to my brothers, I would also say, and, and brotherhood, you need peers. 
So we certainly need somebody up the chain of command. And I have men in my life like that. Uh, my dad is up the chain of command, my pastor. So the man I call my pastor, you know, I'm not in his church, but um, he's, he's one that's checking on my soul regularly. Uh, and I have plenty of men who I am guiding them and leading them and coaching them and blessing them. But I think the hardest piece to find is the peers, guys who are with you in multiple ways, guys who can be a bro, not just the wisdom, not just the maturity in the word, but also in that in whatever uh, season of life you're in. But you need that. You need somebody who can relate. You need somebody who can go, hey, I feel you. I'm strong today, so you can be weak. Like you can be feminine. <laughs> you can vent. You can you can gush. You know, and then I can correct and be like, hey man, all right. Like now, let me remind you what's true. Uh, let's get back on track. You know, wh whatever's needed, however I can guide you. But it's a, it's an epidemic that's missing. Most men have no friends. Uh, most men are very closed off. But George, like you said, there's such value in being having those peers. And then there's moments where you are the small fish in the big pond, where you're outclassed, where you're outmanned, and you should thank God for it. Where it where it crushes the ego, where somebody has got the word for you, and you're like, oh, I needed that. I knew that. But just go, man, receive that, because that's a gift. That's a blessing. Today it's their turn. Maybe next time it's yours. But we were meant and built for fellowship. It's biblical. It's good. It's not It's not normal for our modern day. But, man, we feel it. And when you get in, in that kind of fellowship, when you get that peer-to-peer, -peer, the brother you can lean on, Whew. I mean, you see, like, you get glimpses of it in the Word. You see David and Jonathan. You're just like, man, that is deep stuff. Yep. Can a, Go ahead. Can a man lean on and vent to his uh, his female friend? What's what's that look like? No. I don't even believe men should have female friends. I don't want female friends. Um, now, you know, there's women in my church who be like, aren't we friends? I'm like, yes, we're friends. But not like they're thinking. You know, like, I could I could be more friends with, a dude halfway across the world than I could with a woman who lives next door. Um, and if I can be good friends with a female, somebody's off in their polarity, her or me or both of us, mm. because something something's off here. And uh, why am I so comfortable in the feminine environment? Why do I understand it? It's good to understand it, but I need to be leading her out of it. Uh, and it but if I'm walking in masculinity, that creates the polarity. And by the way, polarity, of course, is going to increase attraction. So if there's zero risk of attraction, then there is zero polarity happening. So this is, you know, there's a lot that could be said here. Oh, I guess all women are threats. No, that's nonsense. We reject that stupidity. Uh, women aren't threatening or anything like that. But I just like, I don't want to hang out with women. Uh, I don't relate to women. Why? Because I'm not a woman. Because I believe that there's much more to gender than what's between our legs or what's on our chest. There's so much more. It's, you have to be an evolutionary you have to have an evolutionary perspective to take the to the this modern quasi-christian perspective that says can't we all just get along well so we could certainly get along and i care for the women in my life but any women friends that i have it's through the context of men and as a pastor even the women in my church like i love them as their pastor but i'm never going to be like like i don't want to hang out with them uh, and it's not because i'm attracted to them or anything like that but i'm just like you're not a bro. How? Why would I even want to? I, it's a foreign concept. Uh, statement and then a question. 
uh, statement is, you know, only another man knows the serpentine passages of your heart. Even your wife won't understand it in the same way. So that's why brotherhood is so valuable. Um, question talking about, you know, the lack of polarity. You, I've, I've heard you talk a lot about, uh, you know, don't masculinize your wife. You know, don't treat her like a bro, which we do a lot. Can you talk about what that looks like and why that's so bad um, in your marriage? Yeah. And how tip and how easily guys are conditioned to do that. Yeah. Defeat her with logic, that kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's where I'm, it's where I'm making her defend herself to me. I don't ever want Natalie to have to defend herself to me. I want Natalie to feel super safe and super secure. So when she says something, it doesn't make sense. Uh, if I want clarity, I can seek clarity on it, but we're never at war. She's never my opponent. I'm always the one caring for her. If there's something I hear that I don't like, there's a way I can bring correction to that with gentleness. There's a way I can bring correction that, again, like husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Why are all the commands to husbands to love their wives and all the commands to wives are to submit and respect to their husbands? Well, it's because this is our temptations to sin against in that way. And this is also our design. We were built for this. But as men, we get frustrated. We treat women like flawed men and women treat men like flawed women. Like you got to get straight. You need to be more feminine. Actually, no, I just need to be more gentle with you. I don't need to be feminine. I need to be understanding. So it goes to that point, George, of not encouraging her emotions. Like we, we recoil at all that. Like, uh, she's doing the girl thing. And instead of being, being the pillar, the pillar that she can rest on and that she can, trust in and say, Hey, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be here. I love you, baby. I'm sorry. Uh, This doesn't mean you can't fix stuff. So I don't accept that analogy either. It's like, sometimes she doesn't need you to fix stuff. She just needs you to listen. I'm like, I'm going to do it all. Uh, I'm going to listen first though. I'm going to be gentle and caring and figure out what was really needed here. And that's where a brother needs wisdom. He's like, I just want to fix the thing. Hey, homie, sometimes she just needed to get tears out. You did fix it, buddy. Well done, Captain. You fixed it. She needed to cry. It's been a month, and she just needed to cry about nothing. And you loved her, and you hugged her, and you kissed her, and you said, oh, baby, I got you. I got you, and God's got us. I still want to fix the thing. Bubba, you did. You just fixed it. That was it. The other thing isn't the thing. It's just that her internal world was worked up. But the more we masculinize our wife, we're like, what what about this? Well, Well, then why did Becky say that? Well, you need to text her and tell her this. Like, that's heavy. That's harsh. That's that's a lot of planning. Um, and then the same way when we converse with her, I don't debate with Natalie. Like Natalie's smart, Natalie's capable, Natalie's a thinker, all the things, yada, yada, yada. My wife is better than everybody's and every listener and every lady listening. My wife surpasses them all, actually, truly, completely. And I, I treat her like a woman and I don't want her to debate me. I don't want her to feel pressure from me. And I want to find ways to be gentle with her, but still lead her. I don't know, George, you got you got good insights here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I uh, just something that I kind of realized going through the program was um, it, it's a uh, unique gift that I have that only I can give my wife to in those moments, like you said, right? Maybe she just needed to cry, and that's how you fix it. Um, if I'm providing that to her, you know, that is something that I'm providing to my wife that she can't really get anywhere else. Well. Or shouldn't you know <laughs> um so in, in in many ways men need to desire to to provide that um because it's it's strengthening a relationship um 
way beyond the, the physical realm, right? It's it's a spiritual connection uh, that's going to bear fruit for a long time. So that that was a big un unlock for me going through it. That's a good and point. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just thought, was, I, I think a lot of what's happening with men who masculinize their wives is that if we don't have any male friends, we're seeking male companionship. And so we find it in our wives and it doesn't really work, right? It feels empty. So um, I, that that really clicked there for me that the reason we do that is because we don't have enough male companionship. We don't have a male friend to talk to who understands us. So we lay things yes. on our wives that aren't, you know, maybe that's not the right thing to do. We need that sparring. Men, that's normal. That's normal fellowship for me and a buddy on the back deck. We can fight and have a good time and make fun of each other's theology all in the process. Like, yeah, if you weren't such an idiot with this or that, and like, we're loving each other. And this happens in public school all the time. You know, the little boys are picking on each other and goofing off. The friends are insulting each other and the teacher's going, y'all stop it. You're being so mean to each other. It's like, can it go too far? Do they need, do they need leadership? Most definitely. Uh, but most of the time it's, it's dudes being dudes. Like this is why men need their own sacred cultures where they can talk the way they talk without women going, y'all stop it. Or if women do say stop it, they need to be strong enough men to go spoken like a woman. And then all the women go, oh! and you go, yeah, I said it. So anyway, back to what I was saying, making fun of your shirt. You look gay, bro. <laughs> and everybody and, and the guys are still having fun together and they still love each other. But you're right. When I'm starved for that, then I can easily, and I, and I do this too, Dustin, where if I, if I am, if, cause I like, I like the fight, I, it, not, not, not to be quarrelsome, uh, but man, I just need, I need masculine culture around me. And if I have none of that and the longer I go without it, the more I find myself needing to start to boil over, not be aggressive with Natalie, but I get intense about something else. I could be, you know, I'm like, babe and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And but I'll start to see it in her body and she'll start to, she's like, babe, babe, like you're intense. I'm like, I know I'm just, I'm not mad at you. So I know and we're married 16 years now. So we both understand the dynamics. So she can tell me right away. She's like, Hey babe, this is too much for me. And I'm like, done, shut down. Why? Cause I love my wife and I want to be gentle with her. Well, you were being mean to her. I was not at all. I was ranting about situation X, Y, Z. And yet yeah. it wasn't serving her well. I was yeah, being the yeah. thing. I was like, being the parent who needed his child to be his friend. Right. What do you gain? What do you gain from doing terrible. that with your wife? Right. You're you're making her uncomfortable, and it's like it's not going to benefit. And I mean, last night I had to. We were on the back porch with friends, and I was getting a little. You know, we were talking about some real stuff, but I, I'm an animated guy, and my wife was like, "Hey, honey, you're kind of making me feel uncomfortable." And I was like, "Okay, oh yeah, I don't want to do that." So I like totally. You know, what I mean, she wasn't being mean; she was just being honest. What an excellent kinda, feminine way to say that. Praise God. I feel yeah, uncomfortable. But it, it's a real example. It's like, what do I gain from like making the point that way, you know, in that moment? It, I don't want to make my wife feel uncomfortable. I want her to feel safe around me. I, should I be just want to point this out though, for all the ladies <laughs> listening. George's wife could have said, George, that's enough. Mm. That would have been disrespectful and unsubmissive. But instead she said, I feel uncomfortable. Now, what did that do? That's surrendered. That's submitted to George, who, of course, lovingly reeled in by his own choice because he loved his wife rather than her fearing what is frightening saying, George, that's enough of that. And going, yes, dear. Because what are his options in that moment? He's not going to continue, but he's also emasculated at the same time. And no one wins. But instead, everybody wins. She gets to beautifully and in a feminine way go, I feel this. And he goes, oh, well, let me fix that. Let me give you the gift of my leadership because I love you. Yeah. And the, the other side of that coin, too, is 
not just like masculinizing your wife, but it's also being overcritical. So like when you don't feel subconsciously or psychologically that you don't feel like you're in control, what do men do with their their leadership, quote unquote, is they overcriticize. They try to find flaw and project in other people. Right. And so I feel like a lot of men don't just masculinize their wife, but they're also overly critical to their wife. And they, they shirk that or they, they, they project that focus on on them as well. Like it's their yeah, Brandon fault. Jones, that point he made about the three to one ratio, three positives to one negative was that. huge. That's like, yeah. that's such a good template to follow in all your relationships. Absolutely. That's a great principle. I'd argue 10 to one, you know, like, you know, for your wife, man, like pour on the praise on that woman, you know, real and be, and be real. And if you can't yet, <laughs> we'll work on that. You can't be honest. You're like, what the heck? I like your left eye. I also like your right <laughs> eye. It's two, you know, your ears. Your earlobes look so great. <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe that's what Solomon was doing. He's just like, uh, your neck is so great. It's like a tower. Um, <laughs> oh man. Uh, Dustin, I think you had a question. I don't know if you got to ask it about uh, like friend groups, I think, that you wanted to. Yeah, it seems like we have these natural hierarchies all throughout uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, where there's leaders, um, there's followers, sports groups, all of that. And then as we age, we kind of age out of these natural hierarchies. And if we do have friendships, they tend to just be a drinking buddy or someone that you might do an activity with, but there's not necessarily the same group dynamics, um, especially if someone's not in the church. So when you see kind of an ideal friendship group, what does that look like to you? Does that typically have, you know, kind of a captain of the friends and then, you know, or their followers or what's, what does that dynamic look like to you? Well, ideal friendship group. I'll let you know when I'm in one and when I see one. <laughs> so here's right my... now, man, right here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so when I, so when I, uh, so, so right now I'm just a theorist, but yeah, I think, I don't think the hierarchy vanishes, but I think it gets harder to see. And I think it's fine. Uh, I think when you're younger though, there's so much more ego involved. So it's so much important to younger men and to boys in particular, like I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. Like the whole club is nothing but the president and they don't even have a club, but as long as they have a president, it's a, you know, like, okay, but I get to be the president next week. Like, what do we do? Well, we have presidents. That's what we do. That's why we exist so that we can each feel good about ourselves. So as you get older, you know, men appreciate respect from one another. So many men are starved for respect that I think we do a good job. I see more and more men doing a good job respecting one another. I like it, This is why we have this language of, I see you king, let's go killer. Like, what is that? That's the language of respect. Like when we see each other in the gym, like when you see somebody, you know, pushing heavy, even if it's not a lot of plates and you see he's struggling, you're like, he finishes that set. You're like, let's go, baby. Like, what is that? It, we we understand, like, it's respect. That's what we're giving. So I think in a in a masculine friendship relationship, and you've got a group of guys or anything like that, it's not important necessarily so much who the president is, although I, I think probably intrinsically people can still feel where, where rank is. Uh, I know when men outrank me. Um, you know, I was having a conversation recently about a man who outranks me. But I say that with no problem with it. Like, it's a fact. There's guys who outrank you. Well, in what way? Like, I don't know. You just know. <laughs> like, I, I haven't quantified it. I think it can be dynamic out. too, right? Like, if someone's a master mechanic, I'm not going to try and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with all of his knowledge. You know, I'm going to be like, oh, hey, man, yeah. teach me. Exactly. I'm a sponge. Let me soak it up. You know? 
Yeah, so I think men are a little fluid in that regard too, where it it varies on like the setting, uh, and I think that's a great thing too. Is you, you want a, a wider range of friends who have different skill sets and things like that because it just better[s] you all if you're willing yeah. to to hum- humble yourself in the right moments to to learn from that guy who knows it or you know what I mean it's just uh I I think like once you're past your late twenties age almost doesn't matter for men I mean I find myself in circles all the time where we're hanging out and it's the the age gap is twenty thirty years between the youngest and oldest in the group and everyone's like buddy buddy and talking about you know what they excel at and what they've learned and it's just kind of um everyone's getting better you know it's not a mm-hmm. i don't think you have to yeah. check a block right <laughs> we didn't need a leader yeah. to to gain from that interaction and that makes you a much better man george i mean i see so many men who will only hang out with other men that are within the same age range and i think they're really missing out by not having that wisdom from older men so i'm glad you have that yeah and you got to remember too uh you know it's it's one of those things like when ego's not present masculinity thrives so, I mean, if, if, if you leave your ego at the door and you have that group, that group of friends or that hierarchy or whoever, where you have respect for each other, there's no ego there and ego present, then, you know, you're, you're going to have a thriving environment to learn from each other, to, to gain a lot of knowledge from each other, wisdom, share things, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Masculine culture, they take turns submitting to one another, but not in a measured way. You just roll with it because there's a trust. There's a care. There's a confrontation culture as well and masculine culture to back to Dustin's question, like what else needs to be present? So there's the there's this respect for everybody. There's this, okay, it's time to submit to him today. Or just in this moment. Hey guys, when you do this, do that. And he, he can give instruction on the hunting trip or he's given uh clarification on the working on the engine. Or even just picking what movie we're going to see tonight. Like you can roll with it. And you can complain about it too and give him a hard time after the movie sucked. You can be like, wow. Woman King. Really? That was what we had to see tonight? No, no, yeah, Dustin, why do we go see Barbie, man? God. Why do we have to go see Barbie? It was Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. <laughs> why are you wearing a pink shirt? I'm not. <laughs> I, I would love to see that movie where they, where they drop a nuke on Barbie land. That'd be... <laughs> that sounds interesting. But the other point is the, the, the culture of confrontation. You know, whereas uh, feminine culture... Michael Foster says it well. He says, uh, women... Uh, women compliment one another and they don't mean it. Uh, men insult one another and they don't mean it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the ladies are like, that's not true. And we're like, yes, it is. Um, now, obviously, he's talking about a generalization, not the godly woman who's not going to do that kind of behavior, but uh, as a generalization. But masculine culture, we're, we're always course correcting. Why? Because our masculinity matters. So this is why, you know, we will... Uh, tease and poke at the things that are a little bit effeminate. You've got enough points with the group. We have enough capital with one another to know that we're masculine men or for whatever that social group is. Like, you know, in some groups, that's probably way too low. Um, but in some groups, it's like, hey, everybody here is a bro and that's okay. So anybody takes a little step in the wrong direction and he is wearing a pink shirt, like, oh man, like we're making fun of him forever now over the pink shirt. Not that we care, but it's just like, why not? because it's fun. So we'll take whatever pot shots we can take or like, Hey, you know, nice shirt. Do they make them for men? (laughs) Where'd you get that? The baby gap, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Like if something doesn't fit him well, or he does his hair in a new way, like we just make fun of it. He's like feeling good about himself today. And we're like, Oh, that's cute. You're going to get frosted tips next week. And you know, like 
And of course, you're always, and to women, this is super confusing. They're like, I thought you said you respect each other. I'm like, we do. This is why we challenge each other. We're, we're keeping one another sharp. We're saying, hey, like, I got to trust you for everything. And I want to trust you for everything. So uh, you're not feminine, are you? And we, we, we answer back, no, I'm not feminine. And we go, okay, like, then I, I'm fine with the thing that you did or the thing that you said or the way you always hold your drink like that. Like we're, we don't care. It's just funny to pick on you. And, you know, we keep one another sharp and strong that way. It's kind of funny too, though, because like in masculine culture, we'll talk about a lot of things that are like very personal or, or that really matter, but it's completely different than like what your wife is expecting. You get out of that. Like, she'll be like, how's Justin or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Should I know? Like, well, did you guys just talk for an hour? Which yeah, about like the podcast. Like, <laughs> I, what what do you think I'm asking him about? Like, you know, I'm not as I don't know. I'm not his mom. You know, call like, his mom. Know. Know he's doing. And she's always so baffled by like, I have no idea, babe. Like, I have no I'm, idea. I'm gonna how call Whitney and be that. like, does he doesn't like, care? How, you know, I know they got the answer <laughs> on the way. How, how are they I, doing with my problems? I've got a good story with this. So uh, another couple and I and Natalie were hanging out years ago, and this was a this was, me and this bro were best friends at this time, and uh, Natalie and this wife they were pretty close too, but me and him were hanging out and in front of the girls and I don't know just being ourselves. Well, we get in the car to leave and we're driving down the road. And Natalie's like, "I think you really hurt Jonathan's feelings when you said, um, you know, whatever." And I was like, "Oh my goodness, are you are you sure?" And this was early on. So I'm like, I think, I'm assume I wanted to, I'm like, I don't want to assume she doesn't know what she's talking about. So I'm like, I pick up the phone and, you know, call Jonathan as we're driving around the road. I was like, bro, I wanted to tell you, man, when I said this, that, and the other, I did not mean anything by that. I love you. I respect you. I was just goofing off. If I, if that bothered you in any way, man, I'm, and I was sincere. I wasn't like, if you got a problem with that, you're weak. Like none of that. I was just humble. I was under him entirely and he was like are you serious right now i was like yeah he was like don't you ever apologize to me ever again and i was like babe i told you i knew he was fine. nice job melvin you're getting attached <laughs> to the cellar tonight you're sleeping up there I'm like, yeah, you know what back to the water heater That's well funny. i think i think there's a very important distinction though too is that yes uh men love to to tag and make fun of each other but there is a difference between that and men who pull you down and who are toxic mm -hmm. um you know i've dealt with that in the past and you know if you have a growth mindset and they don't or if there's something in your life they know you hold dear and they they constantly mock and disrespect that that's there's a big difference between that and then you know the the the, the fun clashing. So if you have that in your life, please recognize the difference and be able to discern the two. I think that's such a, an important thing for, for men, especially for their mental health. You know, I mean, it's, it's a big deal when you have, when your group of guys are just, Hey, I've got this great idea. And they're like, no, it's trash. Shut up. You know, like, yeah, you shouldn't be the punching bag of the group. Yeah. That's, or they're mocking you. That's not respect. Or, that's... You know, like they're, they're doing something that they know gets under your skin and they do it anyways, because they think it's fun. Like, that's a different type of brotherhood that you don't need to be in. So and I'll tell you what, I watched that happen to you for good. It's minute. not brotherhood. And it pissed me off. And I kept asking Brandon, I'm like, Brandon, dude, these guys are not playing with you. Like they're, they legit are just terrible people. Like you need to cut them away. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, you, you get comfortable with people and 
you think you can't replace those people, you can absolutely replace somebody if they're not a good person for you. And I watched Brandon and it was just like, it broke my heart because Brandon's so good to these people. And, and he, you know, gave them, you know, everything. And, and these people just crapped on him. And I'm like, I was the one that got angry. You know, I was like well, threatening them. I was like, you want to mess with my twin? Like, you know, but, and then I, you know, I later grew up and realized that wasn't the right response, but you know, it, it sucks to see good people go through that. And you will go through that if you're not willing to cut those people free, you just got to let them go and find someone better. I mean, there's well, better men out there. It falls back to having the fence, like like John Michael was discussing earlier. You have to have a fence, and when people cross it, you have to you have to say, "Hey, that's not okay." And I didn't do that, so a lot of that was on me, and a lot of it was also me giving grace, but I was giving grace in an unhealthy way. Um, so once I learned how to properly do that and set those fences up, I realized that it wasn't going to stop, and then I had to address it uh, in a in a real sense. So. Yeah, that's a great point. We notice that in Jesus, um, you know, a manipulator could come to him and go, you came to give your life, so let us throw you off the cliff. Well, they tried to throw him off a cliff. He wouldn't let them. They wanted to stone him to death. He also would not let them. I thought you came to give your life as a ransom for many. He laid down his life. No one took it from him. So that's another distinction um, in these friend groups, like Brandon's saying. If you're like, oh, well, you guys are always joking with me. Hang on, brother. Do they also respect you? Do they also give to you? Is there a is there a give and take? The friendship has give and take. Marriage has give and take. It's not just give and give and be taken from. So if if they're joking with you, that's one thing. But if you are the joke to them, then these these are toxic. These are wicked people, um, unrighteous that that should be abandoned entirely without regret. Just like Jesus did, he didn't allow himself to be manipulated. You can give generously as a choice, but not have things extracted from you. And we see that constantly. Everybody wanted to trap him. They wanted to make him say things, wanted to make him do things. He always did it his way. Still very generous, very Christ-like. <laughs> and yet he never obeyed anyone's instruction and expectation for him. That, hey, if you love us, if you like this, do this, say that, make this happen. He's going, no, I, won't, I will never obey your terms. I'll always give to you. I'll always provide for you. That's a loving leader. He's got, he had his fence. He had his framework. He had his purpose. All right. Well, I wanted to let you plug a little bit more on where people can get engaged with you, John, Michael, if they are curious about the coaching or uh, should they jump in the Facebook group first or go straight to the website? What's the best way to do this? Um, well, these people are podcast listeners. So if they want to check out the podcast, that's probably the best place to start for them, the Family Captain okay. Podcast. And then, yeah, if you're a husband and you're married and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can get into the Facebook group. We'll let you in there. Lots of free content, lots of helpful stuff going on there. We've got over 3,000 dudes in there right now, so that's cool. And then, of course, you can just go to thefamilycaptain.com, and depending on what you're thinking, what you're feeling, if you're saying, I want to get on the fast track, and I actually want to get hear more about the Elite Program, you can click that coaching tab, and then you can book a call, and we can see where you're at. We'll talk about where you're at, where you're looking to go, and getting you on the fast track, moving forward to the next level so that you can thrive, so that your wife can thrive, so your kids can thrive, really can walk in God's best. So check it out. Hit me up. I would love to connect. We've got multiple ways. Multiple, we've got multiple layers of brotherhood. Like I said, that free group is the outer perimeter. You can get as close as you want. You can come in. We've got a monthly subscription that we open up every four or five months that people can get into. But then the elite program is open at all times for 
you know, for those who are qualified for it. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, as a, as a personal, uh, you know, success story, uh, through the, through the program, I highly recommend that, uh, you know, even if, even if you think you're doing pretty well in your marriage, uh, you think you've got a pretty good handle on things, um, look through it and consider, uh, working with them because I know for me, you know, I, Hey, I, you know, I know what I'm doing and, uh, yeah, learn pretty quickly. I, there's a lot I didn't know I was doing. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, you can, there's a lot to learn from John Michael. Um, and, and I think the thing that makes this really stick out from probably a lot of other programs is again, I think it's his, one of his strongest gifts is being able to really look into everyone's specific situations and understand all the details and the context around that and give extremely practical advice for how to navigate those different situations. And uh, his coaching is, um, you know, I believe it's inspired by God and that he's not just uh, doing what John Michael wants. He's he's listening to the spirit and sharing that wisdom with you. So um, can't, can't say enough good things about going through the 12 week program. It definitely uh, benefited me significantly. And uh, I'm just one of, you know, how many guys have gone through it now, John Michael? Man, uh, maybe 175 or so at this point. So almost Probably almost 200 program. now. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot. A lot of a lot of uh, people have benefited from it. So, um, yeah, give give him a a follow on uh, Facebook and and check out the group. And uh, if you're curious, go through those. There's the free videos that you have up there are are all very very good and the podcast. So, uh, John Michael, any closing thoughts you want to to leave everyone with? I just tell everybody, go listen to the podcast episode, um, podcast episodes where Natalie is present because I joked multiple times about her being chained to the water heater. Um, but I want to make sure people know, <laughs> like Natalie's the real proof, you know, like this guy's blowing his own trumpet, <laughs> but is his wife actually thriving? And uh, you can make your own determination there. Like, is this a social media marriage or is this woman actually thriving in the presence of the Lord? And is this a, a flourishing household? So go make those judgments. It'll be pretty obvious. And then, uh, what did you say, George? I <laughs> uh, just, if you, I guess, you know, if you had any closing thoughts, uh, to Oh yeah. I'll reiterate what I said earlier. First of all, thank you, brothers. I love being with you guys. It's a joy. Thank you. Um, and it makes me happy both at the same time, <laughs> but, uh, to reiterate the point, I, I have that effect about, on people it's okay. <laughs> to make the point again Sorry, from earlier. The bigness, the beauty, and the glory of what's possible. We haven't begun to scratch the surface, and there's just so much more. So uh, I've seen marriages in crisis, and I've seen marriages that, again, were like mine. You know, that's that's who the elite program certainly was built for. It's like, things are good. Things are fine. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm telling you, don't be. Um, be thankful for, for where things are, uh, but be hungry because God has so much more. We have so much more. And what we've been fed by culture, we've been, it can get so much sweeter. If, if you say, man, mom and dad were a great example, praise God, but don't stop. And, and you don't need the family captain. Like, do it on your own. That, that'd be great too. But do not stop. Whatever level you would assess and, and say things are at, contend for the next one. Why does it matter? Well, it's not just about your happiness. It's about the mission of God and the earth. Marriage is supposed to be the picture of Christ and his church. So the world should be able to look into your marriage and the world should be able to look into your household and say, what is that? And you say, this is what Jesus and the church is like. So then go, okay, sign me up for that. And so that your kids can go, man, look at what mom and dad have. Look at what our household is. Like to turn away from this would be 
beyond stupid. You know, it's not like, well, you know, I was raised one way, but it's all so enticing. No, it's not. It will look like a feast at the table of the Lord compared to eating out of a porta john when your children have been raised in the presence and the glory of God, where the masculine and the feminine are happening, and your daughters get to be raised as daughters, and your sons get to be raised as sons, and they see daddy and mommy loving each other, and they know that the presence of the Lord is in their household, not just the principles of God, but the presence of God. It It is worthy. It is a worthy calling, and it is the high calling. It is the thing. What am I supposed to do with my life? Brother, this is it. Are you married? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, your answer gets real simple. You get to build a thriving, righteous, godly family culture that affects a thousand generations. So keep contending for it. Amen, brother. I love hey, it. And listen, I I have to say, um, if, if you're going to listen to his podcast, I would definitely check out Salt Church as well. He has his sermons on there. And Man, brother, I listened to your uh, Apostles' Creed series, and it was it was so fantastic. And then the submission series was was fantastic as well. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And if you're a sermon nerd like myself, man, check out the, the Salt Church stuff because praise God, you're doing great well, work, I'll, man. I'll go a little bit further and say that every every married Christian man needs to listen to the series you did called Ecstatically Married, and then mm-hmm. listen to it first, and then listen through it with your wife. Yeah, it is uh, very very good. Um, you know, I think level sets for a lot of people. Uh, the chat. The, the chat again, man. We're going to get through this episode. We're going to get it. But, um, Brandon really likes submission. Uh, no, that seriously, though, the ecstatically married is going to level set a lot of things um, for your marriage that, you know, especially if you kind of grew up in a wishy-washy church setting where they didn't really clearly define husband and, and wife roles very well. And I will uh, say, ladies, the podcast can be a bit triggering um, the the Family Captain podcast. And the reason for that is it was all, what's what's there now anyway, as the time of this recording, uh, what's there now is it was all recorded in the Facebook group. So I was bro talking to bros. Um, so if it comes across as like crass, I'm sorry, I don't intend for it to. If I had known I was eventually going to share it with the, the larger audience where my grandma would be able to hear it too, I would have done some things differently. And I've grown in wisdom over the past few years with this whole conversation. Uh, I've definitely gone too far and I've repented for that. But at the same time, like I have to bear, I'm going to bear the shame of it <laughs> instead of removing the whole thing and be like, no one should ever hear that. Like there's plenty of gold there. Um, if you can get over John Michael's personality getting in the way, then uh, it'll bless you. Sounds good, man. Well, yeah, the sermons are great. I just wanted to encourage you and say that I appreciate you. You know, it's always such a a, a pleasure to have you on the, uh, the cast. So thank you brothers. Yeah. John Michael, it truly is a pleasure. Uh, and I appreciate you, you know, working with me through your program and, and then coming on the show here tonight and working with us. Thanks, Jay Money. God bless you. All right, enough talk, dads. We'll see you in the next one. Get climbing that mountain. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.